You're listening to a Monster Kid podcast. <laughs> We interrupt this broadcast to bring you this special message. How's it going, eh? Today's show on the Monster Kid Podcast Network is a classic. Hosted by two comedic geniuses who've watched way too much North American cinema from the 21st century. Mike Pisacano and Anthony Cilio. Entitled Cinemarketing, this podcast chronicles the heroic adventures of two latter-day consumers of film and the marketing surrounding them or, to use the correct 20th century terminology, losers. We hope you give it three thumbs up. Welcome to Cinemarketing. The trailers may have lied to you, but we won't. I'm your commander, Mike Pisacano, and who's joining me here today is my right-hand man. The, the, the plastic man himself. I, I, I had a problem coming out with a toy DC, pun. Mar- Marvel's plastic man? Yes, that's or me. Or DC? Anthony. Anyway, and and we're joined by uh, an, uh, another playmate today. Uh, <laughs> introduce yourself. Uh, hi, I'm Kev Man. Kev Man, yeah. Kevin. Yeah. So, so tell us what um, who you are and what 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 shows do you do? Because we've we've done a show uh, previously before, uh, one that showed up on this uh, on this feed. So introduce uh, where would they know you from? <laughs> Yes, I am the host of the podcast I Helped Make That, where I interview uh, people in the entertainment industry about specific movies and TV shows they worked on. And once Mike was on the show, he joined me to interview Alex Gradet, who was a production assistant on the first Ice Age movie. And then we did a little mini-sode on Ice Age after that. And that is um, perfect because now we are doing another movie with Dennis Leary in it and a character with veins and a jaw and a a weird oval-shaped face now that I think about it. Yes, we did. We have the mini sode of Ice Age on the feed, but the interview is still just on on yours. So if you want to listen to that interview, uh, which was probably yeah, probably the best portion of that whole of that whole thing. Not that we didn't do a great job, but he really uh, brought a lot of interesting conversation to that movie, and like you know, it was interesting hearing all of his backstory on it. So. Go listen to uh, that interview on uh, Kevin's podcast feed on I Helped Make That. And we're here today to talk about the movie Small Soldiers from 1998. And now this was suggested by you. So why don't you tell us why? what made you want to pick this movie? Well, the reason is because it has a very interesting marketing history. Because it was originally, you know, supposed to be like this edgy horror i think horror like horror comedy for like teenagers but like then, gremlins yeah but then um universal and dreamworks stepped in and they were like hey we could market this to children we could sell the action figures and kind of forced joe dante the director to line things up so i picked it because it was sort of an interesting case of life imitating art because if for anyone who has ever seen small soldiers like the what kicks off the plot is that david cross's character 
wants to just create these like fun little characters for kids to play but then like the studio head comes in and says nah let's let's completely change your vision to make it something more marketable so it's like the studio didn't learn the lesson from the movie they were marketing yeah you can even tell in like the movie that there is like this kind of renegade like anti-studio anti-corporate meddling uh like stance that he's trying to take on that um and he is yes by he i mean joe dante the director uh and this is the second film of Joe Dante's that is uh, appearing on this show. Uh, our previous episode uh, where we did Looney Tunes back in action, which again was another movie of his that was heavily uh, studio mandated and uh, corporately messed with and probably caused for his like, had a, his like giant drought of movies. Like he hasn't really, I feel like he hasn't really recovered a lot since then. Cause it's like, you know, he was very prominent director in like the, 80s and 90s with movies yeah like gremlins um matinee then there was yeah and small soldiers even feels like it fits into that like gremlins mold and looney tunes back in action and then after all that now it's just like i can't i don't know what the last was his last movie looney tunes back in action like i feel like it (laughs) he's done some like independent films and he's like directed some like episodes of tv shows here and there but he hasn't done a like a major blockbuster since yeah, it feels like he has like maybe like a vendetta against like the studio system for how they treated him, which uh, again feels warranted. It's kind of a shame that he never was able to like, you know, bounce back with like another like, you know, big cultural touchstone type of like a uh, blockbuster movie like that. I mean, there's a Gremlins TV series coming up soon i'm seeing on really? this thing that he's uh directing an episode of uh the first episode of this gremlin series gremlins secrets of the mogwai Can we stop making everything a fucking oh it's an series. hbo max like cgi kids animated thing although oh it does God. still have james wong in it <laughs> can we just stop like why yeah uh, well uh anyway the movie small soldiers is starring Gregory Smith, Kirsten Dunst, David Cross, Jay Moore, Dennis Leary, Kevin Dunn, and Magnuson, Phil Hartman, and John Dante staple Dick Miller. The voice cast, Tommy Lee Jones plays the commando elite. Frank Langella plays the lead Gorgonite, Bruce Dern. And then also one thing that the movie did is that they cast the original cast members of the Dirty Dozen to play the rest of the Commandos, which Joe Dante has said that he originally wanted the cast of Predator to be the Commandos, Schwarzenegger, Jesse Ventura, and Shane Black, but like I guess they couldn't get them there, so they got the at least surviving members of the original Dirty Dozen, George Kennedy, Jim Brown, Ernest Borgnine, and Clint Walker. It's pretty and, sick. And then the Gorgonites were played by the members of Spinal Tap, Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, and Harry Shearer. And in the end credits of the movie, it makes the point to credit them as Spinal Tap as the Gorgonites yeah. and like the original Dirty Dozen as the Commando Elites. So it seemed like they were very much like I've never seen that at the end credits before of like them specifically like calling out like the reason why they were cast. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then the Gwendy dolls are voiced by Christina Ricci and Sarah Michelle Geller, And then a uh, a yeah. couple of the other uh, uncredited voice casts, Jim's Cummings, Mary Kay Bergman, uh, Arlene Sorkin, who's most known for playing Harley Quinn and Batman the Animated Series, uh, mm-hmm. Jill Talley, who is Tom Kenny's wife, 
who's also Karen on SpongeBob. I just have to say it's a little weird that they cast Christina Ricci as one of the Gwendy dolls when she was like 17 when she recorded her lines and the Gwendy dolls are heavily sexualized. <laughs> it was it was the 90s. It was a friggin' wasteland. There's was no standards. Come on. Yeah. And also, sadly, this is Phil Hartman's last film role. Rip. And the yeah. film is, at the end is dedicated to him in the end credits. I wish a slightly better film was dedicated to him, but you know, well, I'll take what I could get. Yeah. At least it wasn't a bad movie that he was. No, yeah, I mean, especially to. yeah, yeah, especially considering like '90s comedies and stuff that he would have been cameoing in. Like this is uh, this is this is a high one to go out on. That's true. Oh, the only thing that would have been better is like I don't know the Simpsons movie. Like if that yeah. was his last movie, maybe that would have made sense. Um, but yeah, a couple of other uh, cinema marketing stats. So we said that this is the second film uh, that we were covering, directed by Joe Dante. This is also the second film. That we're covering that stars Kirsten Dunst, uh, the first being Spider-Man, uh, the second Dennis Leary movie, the, the first one, of course, being Ice Age, which we had mentioned before. And also, I think I, I, I'll have to go through this again, but I believe the first time that we've struck the same writers, because uh, Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio who wrote this movie, also wrote Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Wow, a much better movie. <laughs> oh, oh, I mean, yeah, but they also, yeah, they're, they're, uh, they've, they've been around, they, they wrote they wrote Shrek and they wrote like Aladdin. Oh, they wrote Shrek too? Yeah. Yeah, these guys are pretty good then. Yeah. So we're, we're going to probably come now up. Now you're speaking my language. Yeah, we're probably going to come up and see those guys again, uh, you know, sometime in the future. But yeah, also who we'll be seeing in the future. Production companies. This was a DreamWorks film under uh, Universal. And uh, some of the taglines, the tagline for the movie. I love this one because it's a uh, big movie. Big movie. Yeah, because it's the it's the, the idea is that you're seeing the poster and it says small soldiers and then right above it it says big movie. <laughs> and it said it's bigger titles than the small soldiers. So you could be mistaken to believe that the movie is called Big Movie. Dude, <laughs> honestly, this is right up there with Hey, 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 Christmas Day. <laughs> Such a good tagline. Which I that, love it. That, which is that one, of course, is the tagline for the Fat Albert movie. Yes, yes. The greatest. <sighs> God. Uh, the movie was released on July 10th, 1998. Oh, summer blockbuster. And also, I can imagine that the reason probably why this movie was retooled to be more kid-friendly is because just a few uh, years earlier, the big popular movie, which like, you know, popularized toys coming to life... Toy Story. Yeah. So they can probably imagine that like that's more of an angle where we can make I this think, appeal to kids more. I think it has more to be like it's an animated movie coming out in the summer. That's should be marketed toward kids because when yeah. kids are going to the movies in the summer, you know? Yeah. If it was if it was not animated, it probably would have been they probably it might have changed their opinion on the rating. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that this movie as it is right now, like I think that this is not like too hardcore for like I don't know like I think like a an eight year old could watch this movie and it's not I'd say like I I would say like uh ten eight's a little young yeah but I think it's like the violence isn't too extreme like maybe some of the the toys might be a little scary especially because of like the like I guess the, the bit of the janky CG might make it a little bit more creepy but like the violence isn't that extreme uh there's not a lot of like swearing or anything like that. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit. I don't know. It, it, it's it's weird that Joe Dante is involved in multiple movies that have ratings like fiascos. Like Gremlins was one of the reasons PG was invented, or PG thirteen, PG thirteen. And now he's once again grappling with PG thirteen. It's like versus PG versus yeah. PG. This guy just can't fucking win with the ratings. Like he just can't win. But yeah, as we're looking through the production history, it says that like you know while he's making the movie, he was told that it was originally supposed to be says an, ed- an edgy movie for teenagers but then once the you know the corporate sponsors came in and then they you yeah. know obviously we we already went over yeah that. yeah if you in case you guys didn't know the theme of this episode the main point of this movie's history is that it was supposed to be for adults and it wasn't well not really adults for teenagers yeah yeah but it's like but they wanted to market it to kids yeah because again it's a movie about toys coming to life that seems very much more uh, palatable for for kids and it's a thing and and that's why toy story is so successful is because that is a fantasy that kids have where it's like my toys came to life yeah <laughs> yeah and that's kind of like what the dennis leary character is trying to do is like he says when mm-hmm. the toys play they play toys that play back or something yeah. like that. yeah and, true. and also the part where he's like watching they're watching the commercial for the commando doll and he's like <laughs> and then he rips out of the box he's like does he actually do that <laughs> and they're like and they're like no yeah it's just for the commercial, which is also as a kid, that's sometimes how I feel when I when I was watching those where it's like you get the toy and you're like, it doesn't do that. But then again, it was stuff that even even, you know, super ridiculous stuff that, yeah, like I thought like the Hulk heads like, oh, I can actually smash bricks with them. <laughs> Mike, uh, were you dropped on your head at any point in your childhood? Just just want to know out of curiosity. Hey, most any most children probably. <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh, keep telling yourself that, champ. You're all, you, anyway. <laughs> oh, did you not have object permanence also? You were like, when I talk about... Where it's like, oh, hey, when you were a kid, did you ever think that, like, you know, when things... Uh, when you closed your eyes, things disappeared? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all the time. Don't pretend like you're above having object permanence as, a, <laughs> as an infant. So let's take a, a look at the first trailer for Small Soldiers. Globotech defense systems. In a secret lab, the world's most advanced military microprocessor has been created. But the Cold War is over. For Globotech to survive, new markets must be found. Now, all that power has been placed into the brain of a fighting machine unlike any known to man. They made it strong. They made it clever. They made it small. They made a mistake. Commandos, attack! I'm talking about toys that are so smart, when kids play with them, they play back. Chip Hazard reporting for duty. You put munitions, chips, and toys? Big action. Oh my god, I'm having an aneurysm. Big trouble. Last chance, scum. Oh yeah? Big movie. They might be defective. What are you packing, Tiny? Packing you. Small soldiers. You'd have to be crazy not to be scared. I'll tell you what, it definitely tells you the plot right straight to the point. Yeah. But it's also is that is that, is that um the trailer guy? 
Don LaFontaine. Is that Don, Don LaFontaine? I think it is doing the commercial. Yeah, but I um, what I think is kind of interesting is that um, the trailer leaves out the Gorgonites. Yeah, no, that's the thing is that it makes it look like it's just the toys coming to life and they're fighting the humans. It does leave out that extra bit of the lore. And and I think that that is also a thing that a lot of the marketing of this movie does is that it only focuses on the soldier characters and Mm -hmm. they're terrorizing the humans. But there's that whole extra layer of the of the gorgonites which is like the rival villain alien faction that they that the characters like in universe are pitted against and i've noticed that that and that's a thing that will go on and we'll we'll show that that they they skirted around that a lot also uh in other areas but i gotta admit if the movie was just about the toys coming to life and attacking humans i think i might like it a little more like i like the whole gorgonite subplot but I don't know. It's interesting to think of a, a parallel timeline where the movie was more akin to these trailers. I guess also more more along the lines of where it's like gremlins as well, because like yeah. there's some of that in the movie. Like there's that mm-hmm. part when the kid puts the one soldier in the garbage disposal. And I'm like, that's some real gremlin shit, like putting the gremlin in yeah, the, in the, the microwave, the one yeah. in the microwave or the blender. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about the. um the small soldier who looks like Joe Swanson with a mohawk, right? <laughs> yes, it looks just like Joe. And he and he loses his legs. Yeah. Which is um, <laughs> you know what? Um, I think someone should sue Fox, just saying. There you I go. Mean, I mean, family guy, yeah. Oh, yeah, family guy did come in. <laughs> uh, yeah, Seth MacFarlane was out seeing small soldiers in theaters and was like, you know what? <laughs> I need to make that guy. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's what he did when uh what was it when he when he made uh he made a Willy Ways to Die in the West. But he said he's like, oh that's true. This is Django. I, I know that. Yeah, that's true. What a hack. <laughs> and also what are what are some of the most like prominent things that pop up in all of the trailers for the movie? Because definitely the shot of them driving out of the garage, like in their like war vehicles. They were proud of that shot, man. That's in every trailer. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's a um, cool effect, I guess. Yeah, medic. Yeah, that would. Yep, yep. There's also the the shot of the one soldier like uh, lassoing on to the kid's bike as it's going down the street. That's yeah. in a lot of the trailers. Yeah, they. This trailer, these trailers really are very samey. Yeah, and they don't really show off any of the human characters other than like David Cross and Dennis mm-hmm. Leary, who aren't even like main characters like they don't tell you about the kid like who's the main character they don't or tell you about dunst. Kirsten Dunst they don't tell mm-hmm. you about you see a little bit of Phil Hartman mm-hmm. about it I guess Phil Hartman was marketable well I mean yeah 90s like yeah. you know news radio Simpsons SNL mm-hmm. like you know he was a very recognizable face in comedy he was a goddamn king that's what he was so let's move on to a, a segment that is a near and dear to Anthony's heart it is time for Happy Meal Happy Hour. Happy Meal Happy Hour. They did a tie-in with Burger King. Yeah, this is almost feels like it was greenlit before the movie. It was. <laughs> it was because teamed up to a toy. And I'm not even going to talk yeah. in detail about the toys. They're pretty basic Happy Meal to tier yeah. toys. They're figures with action things. Mm-hmm. But so the big the big thing about this that I'm going to talk about is they made these toys. Then it comes out that the movie's PG-13. And Burger King's like, well... We can't, you know, we, we can't just have our toys be based off of a PG-13 movie that most of our audience buying the meals can't see. 
So they gave you that an option when you get a when you get a Burger King kids meal, you could uh, swap it out for a Mr. Potato Head toy if you didn't want your virgin your children's virgin eyes seeing the PG thirteen or the characters from the PG thirteen movie, which <laughs> you know that's second that's like second level behind uh, the Pokemon Pokeball recall. You know the toy that killed kids. I could have swore that there's been some other PG thirteen movies that like had like fast food times i mean i know batman returns is like probably mm-hmm. very well known and yeah. like I, I think there had to have been some spider-man um, toys right there's definitely yeah. some local news stories somewhere about batman transformers yeah. transformers which, had, which also had kevin dunn playing an angry dad <laughs> <laughs> good catch that scene in this move the scene in this movie where like the kids trying to prove that the toys can talk and like the parents are like what do you do that's that that felt straight up transformers yeah in fact i think they literally did the same joke in the first transformers movie wasn't yeah. it i'm like yeah like um i think the mom and the in the um, yeah, like were you jerking off they, yeah that <laughs> okay. i'm so glad i wasn't like i didn't see the transformers movie in the theater with my parents at that age because i would not have been able to handle the embarrassment <laughs> of that scene yeah but now um there are two <laughs> people um that the makers of this movie need to sue oh there yeah you go <laughs> yeah but yeah that's pretty much it for the kids meal like it was a pretty um, lackluster toy i, I, I got in it well there was we'll also say, oh wait, um, uh, yeah kevin what were you gonna say uh, not about how the toys look. Um, I will just say about the ads. I'll have to admit something embarrassing. So I used to have like uh, sort of a YouTube show similar to this 10 years ago uh, called Coming Soon with Marketing Mark. And I did like an episode just riffing on like movie tie-in fast food ads. And here's an embarrassing thing to admit. I thought Tommy Lee Jones reprised his role as chip hazard in the commercials but then someone told me it was actually jim cummings and ah then, well and then wait I, I, thought, I thought you were gonna say something more embarrassing i thought you were gonna say i thought tommy lee jones reprised his role from a few good men because <laughs> that scene or the commercial for the rodeo burger is like a mm-hmm. few good men parody yeah yeah, that's yeah but you got Winnie the uh, nope, it's Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, yeah but you know, uh, now that I I watch them again, it's kind of obvious that it's Cummings and not Jones. It's it's like when you hear uh, like Woody in the commercials, and it's like, oh, that's clearly not Tom Hanks. It's Jim Hanks. <laughs> yeah, Major Hazard, you left the base without authorization. Proceeded to Burger King and ordered a. Rodeo Burger? I've served this command for a... Answer the question! Did you order the Rodeo Burger? You're darn right I did. It was flame broiled and delicious. Burger King salutes small soldiers with a tasty new Rodeo Burger. Cheese, onion rings, bullseye barbecue sauce. Right now, part of the 99-cent Great Taste Menu. That Rodeo Burger, it was pretty tasty, huh? You can't handle the Rodeo Burger. If you ask us, it just tastes better. But yeah, the other thing that Burger King did for the movie was the Rodeo Burger. uh, And there was the commercial for the Rodeo Burger. It's a fucking cheeseburger with onion rings and barbecue sauce. That's all it is. You want the gross Burger King onion rings and sugar. (laughs) Yeah. And the commercial for that was, uh, like I said, was a, like a parody of A Few Good Men where Chip Hazard's on the stand and they're like, you can't handle the rodeo burger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what is that? What does rodeo have to do with small soldiers? 
Well, I mean, because I, I don't know. I guess they're like, oh, they're wrangling these wild creatures. I don't know. Uh, if it, they should have done it for a movie, that if it, I don't know, Chip Hazard's kind of like this, like Southern tough guy general stereotype. I guess I think they like just kind of like a like a Arlie Ermy or something like that. <laughs> we are putting more thought into this than the people who made the commercial. <laughs> but yeah, so speaking of yeah, so Burger King was under the impression that the movie would be PG, and so they had to also not only offer the traded for the Mr. Potato Head, but they, if they were selling the small soldier's toy, they had to include a little pamphlet to explain <laughs> that the movie that this toy is from might not be suitable for kids. Yeah, because it, it could have been a PR nightmare. Speaking of also, another infamous lawsuit that come from this movie, uh, the second movie that we're covering that had a lawsuit attached to it, the first one being Drive, but this one, apparently there's in 2000, a, a filmmaker who made a short film in 1990 called Ode to G.I. Joe. Filmmaker's name was Gregory Grant. He sued DreamWorks and Spielberg for copyright infringement on his short film in which toy soldiers come to life and like a- attack humans. And he claims that he had sent copies of his film to multiple production companies, which included Amblin, which was Steven Spielberg's production company, and then claims that Spielberg used, uh, like, stole his idea, which was a pretty, I I guess, like, I was looking up uh, some stories about it. It was a pretty, like, you know, like, infamously, like, they were going back and forth and being like, you know, I mean, the timeline lines up where it's like, he made this movie then, sent it to uh, DreamWorks in this year, and then production on Small Soldiers goes into production a couple years after that. So it's like, the timeline lines up, but the reason why it never really went anywhere is because they claim that, like, you can't just claim to own the idea of toys coming to life, and especially because the the story of the movie was also a lot different than uh, what was his original short film idea. So it's like you say, you can't claim ownership of just the generic theme of toys coming to life. And it's like the specifics of the characters and the plot and the dialogue were all different from uh, what was in the original short film. So that's where that ended up going. Yeah. So here are my thoughts. Now, plagiarism is something that is a very serious issue, but On the other hand, when there are lawsuits against plagiarism, it's kind of hard to know unless you have actually good proof uh, of whether or not you've ever been plagiarized or if you have like similar ideas. Because I'll admit, like, you know, I've been joking earlier about how other projects, other things have things that are somewhat tangentially similar to small soldiers. But also, in all seriousness, like, there is a fine line between plagiarism and just coincidence, because I've definitely, like, had ideas or made similar jokes. And then, you know, I've seen, like, similar jokes be on TV or, like, other other ideas for movies actually become a reality because someone else made it. And I don't know these people. I know that they obviously (laughs) didn't steal from me. It's just kind of it's. Something that is definitely wrong in theory, but in practice, I feel can be hard to prove. A good example of this is like um, someone tried to sue Disney. Well, actually, there's been a lot of like plagiarism lawsuits against Disney. Um, One that comes to mind that's like, 
this feels a little like hard to prove. Um, someone said they had the idea for Zootopia, but like the evidence they gave was just pictures of anthropomorphic animals. And you had the name Zootopia. That's not that unique a name. And especially also the like where it's like, how widely publicized was the i this idea that you had? Because it's like it's it's the more genericized, the more generic something is you can't you can't claim ownership of something that's too generic. There's a certain line you cross in which something becomes so evergreen that no one person can claim that they own it or invented it. I think that's what we're trying to say, right? Nay, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also yeah, because um, I mean, even something, even when it's something that is like you know meant as like you know. Like we know, like publicly, like ants is almost very publicly like plagiarized of Bugs Life. Yes, yeah, so like he intentionally in, did it as yeah. like a fuck you to Disney. Sometimes it's done in bad faith. They know, like, hey, this is a generic idea. Peep, I'm just gonna run with it. You know, that's when it's done in bad faith. But again, because they know you cannot claim it, it's too generic. But I could try to take your steam away. I don't feel like this was done. In, in the creation of this movie wasn't done like that, even though it has a lot of uh, similarities to Toy Story. I don't think this was done as a dig or anything or no, yeah, like trying I said, to be the new Toy yeah, Story. Yeah, because it's also like you can't just claim it to this one short film that's like, yeah, exactly, it's also same, chasing same the hype of Toy Story, which is a much bigger uh, movie that at the time and i feel like that idea is kind of more of where they kind of got the idea for yeah literally the only thing that teetered that the, the the only reason the guy probably did this went after this movie and not toy stories this one had soldiers but toy story has soldiers too yeah but they're the so, green soldiers they're not like gi joe's oh yeah okay all right <laughs> yeah there's combat carl he doesn't speak and he's also kind of he's uh, also a wuss he's also dead <laughs> yeah Ooh. He died. We see him die. He's yeah, one of the only death on film. He has a more gruesome death than any of the small soldiers. <laughs> Honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, let's get to the movie's uh, soundtrack. So this movie, not really like making original songs, but kind of reclaiming old songs and putting their own spin on it and like, you know, making it like identifiable with this movie. And one of those songs is War. Mm-hmm. What is it good for? Yeah. yeah, but it's like a remix with Bones, Thugs, and Harmony, and this is a pretty kick-ass remix. And even the video is cool, despite the dated CGI. Yeah, it's a yeah, good cover. They put, they put yeah, because they put the small soldier characters in the music video, like it's like it's Shrek. But you know what? One one does have to wonder if War and Peace was originally went under its original title of War. What is it good for? As Tolstoy had originally intended, would it have been as successful if his mistress didn't make him change the title to War and Peace? Yeah, I don't know, Mike. I I can't really say. That's a fun fact. Where'd you hear that one? It's on Seinfeld. I know. I know. know. (laughs) Yeah. Although one wonders if War and Peace would have been as highly acclaimed as it was had it been published under its original title, War, What Is It Good For? (laughs) Yeah, Mr. Lippman. It was his mistress who insisted that he call it War and Peace. War, What Is It Good For? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Say it again. (laughs) They did another remix that didn't have its own music video pat benatar did a remix with queen latifah of all people of her hit song love is a battlefield 
which is actually kind of funny because Dennis Leary is in this movie and she also did the Ice Age movies. Weird. Uh, but, you know, back to Small Soldiers, like, it is kind of it, like, you know, the war remix, like, it may not be like as good as the original but it is still kind of a fun like funky uh take on the song no yeah and and it's i get it it's kind of like yeah like it like the thing of like shrek before shrek where it's like taking like an old song and remixing it or covering it and making it your own like the i'm a believer from Mm -hmm. shrek or something like that i want to uh highlight some of these other more cross-promotional materials so this movie did have a video game adaptation for ps1 but the weird thing about this game is that it is not like a retelling of the movie. It's a video game that takes place like in the lore, like in the universe of the small soldiers. You play as a Gorgonite and have to, you know, on their planet and you have to fight the small soldiers. It's, it's, you know what? I commend the game for doing that. It's kind of like a, like a Buzz Lightyear of Star Command game or something like that. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of weird that like, because in the universe, in the universe that this movie sets up, the Gorgonites are meant as the canonical villains and the commandos are the heroes. But like the video game, which is meant to take place like in the lore of this no, universe, the- you're still playing as the Gorgonites as the heroes. So it's like, why in this universe would they make that game if the Gorgonites are always meant to be the bad guys? <laughs> no, I don't think. Oh, okay. I guess I guess you're going like an extra level there. I'm just saying, like, like yeah, we know that the, in this movie, the Gorgonite characters, the toy Gorgonites, are the good guys. But like, in I, they're not selling the PlayStation game in the movie, Mike. No, in not, the world of the movie, the PlayStation game does not exist. I'm just saying, like, it 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 seems like the PlayStation game is meant to be a game that would exist in this no, movie's world. No, it's not. <laughs> I think you're way overthinking it. <laughs> No, it's kind of like how the Buzz Lightyear movie is meant to be a movie that takes place that is that is a movie in the Toy, Toy Story, Story rotted your brain. Like, no, <laughs> that is, uh, not every movie is Toy Story. Uh, but yeah, this game didn't look that bad. I watched like some gameplay footage of it. It just kind of looks like, you know, a PS1 like uh, sci-fi 3D platformer. Yeah, it looked all right. Um, they'd look a little janky, a little chunky, those graphics, but all the, all a little brown. Games look chunky. Uh, other than the Burger King toys, they also did make like full scale toys of and the Gorgonites. They're the boring stuff. because the, they're generic looking because even in the movie, they are just meant to look like generic soldier toys. It's like, yeah, this isn't yeah, that amazing. No, yeah. I think that's the weird thing is that like, yeah, because in the world of the movie, it's meant to be like this every... Like a parody day. almost. Yeah. But then yeah. when you bring them into the real life, it's like... These do just look like, you know, generic G.I. Joe action figures that don't really seem that If you were supposed to be making a parody about, like, consumerism and capitalism, you are now the thing you once sought to destroy, bozo. Like, what the (laughs) fuck? Well, yeah, that's kind of uh, what Joe Dante's problem was with how Universal and DreamWorks treated this movie. Yeah, don't... That's probably why it wasn't supposed to be for kids initially, like... It defeats the, yeah, it reduces the movie down to this kind of stupid, yeah, it it spits in the face of the movie. I feel like the movie's a bit better than that. It's a bit more refined than that. Honestly, Universal in general, they they tend to market, market in a way that tends to go against the movie's message. I mean, just look at how they treated um, the Lorax. You're, You're right. That was Universal. 
Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. We should keep an eye on that. Whenever we do universal movies, we should really keep an eye on that. Yeah, I mean also Jurassic Park, how like Jurassic Park the first movie is about like how it's like you've you can't you you've taken this idea to its limit, you're just exploiting it, and like you just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And, and then, then they made three Jurassic World movies. Yeah, yeah. It's money talks, man. Money talks. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna talk now about we're gonna get into talking about what we think of the movie on its own. Uh, after this break, I'm going to play a couple more of the commercials for this movie, the toy commercials, the fast food commercials, some of the other uh, promotions for this movie. Then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about what we thought of the movie overall and the movie's re- critic reviews and box office and uh, and all that. So stay tuned. Soldiers. Experience it today. Available from DreamWorks Records, DreamWorks Interactive and Electronic Arts, and Hasbro Toys. Even in the store, they're ready for war. Small soldiers, big battles. Commando, report. Brett Bazooka, ready to annihilate Gorgonite Sark. Send in the major artillery, the Buzzsaw Tank. Delivery from Slambiz. Commanders always win. I see it differently. Small soldiers, big battles. You could get a hold of a small soldier. Figures and vehicles sold separately. Okay, boys, fan out. Move, move. Go, go, go. Small soldiers are invading Burger King. One toy inside every delicious $1.99 kids' hamburger meal. Two new toys each week, 12 in all. Man, find the Gorgonites! And you, where's my booster chair? If you ask us, it just tastes better. All right, and we're back now, and we're going to talk about what we thought of the movie Small Soldiers, because uh, I have never seen this movie before doing this this episode. Yeah, I, neither I, have I. Yeah, so... Uh, Kevin, I'm I'm assuming you have definitely seen this movie before, right? Yeah, I had seen the movie, I think, like, at first when I was like, I want to say somewhere around 10 to 12 years old. So you were like in the age range for like watching the movie at the time. Yeah. Do you have nostalgia for this movie, Kevin? Uh, Not really. You know what? I do have nostalgia for Gremlins, like. When mm. I saw Gremlins, I used to be really obsessed with Gremlins. Yeah, um, I mean it's a it's a pretty like perfect movie. It's it's a, it's a very good one. Mm-hmm. And th- and this I could definitely see if you're a fan of Gremlins, you'd definitely be a fan of this one. It follows a lot of the same beats, and you know honestly, I think you know, in some ways it's it, it's better than Gremlins in some ways. Some aspects of the story I really enjoy. You know, yeah, the more I, human nature of the Gorgonites, like the fact that they are you know designed to lose they are designed to be the thing that gets killed by the soldiers you know i really like that aspect of it where it's like oh it's very you know it's very interesting how things are 
predisposed to be a certain way and that's how kids perceive them and play with them yeah, yeah. you know and this kid is kind of going outside of the box and playing them with play with them and using his no yeah and it's also because it, it's subversive in that like the what the characters that you would that would normally be the bad guys are the heroes um i mean we see that a bunch we see that you know wreck it ralph and and all that but and even shrek like yeah. uh, i feel like yeah where it's like yeah taking characters who are normally villainized and 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 then the characters who are normally the heroes like you know the 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 soldier heroes were uh and making them the villains although i do feel like that might not have been that revolutionary of an idea at that point. Like I was, I think we were naming like a bunch of other movies that did kind of a similar thing to that. Whereas like you would think like, Oh, the, the military characters just who are meant to be the heroes. And it turns out like, Oh, they're the bad guys. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I've definitely seen that before, but it's like, I don't know why I, I saw it. I was like, Oh, that was like a real interesting spin, even though it's like, I've seen other movies do that a bunch. It's because I think it's more so the fact like that's the title of the movie. It's not action figures. It is small soldiers. The title of the movie, they're the bad guys. Kind of yeah, just like gremlins. Yeah. I will say when the when the movie is trying to be more like of a satire is definitely when it's at its best. Like as we mentioned oh, yeah. before with um the with the you know a satire of of consumerism sort of of a glorification of the military yeah uh, yeah it's very it's very anti-military yeah, yeah, yeah the, definitely the dennis leary yeah. and De david cross stuff where it's like the movie starts with that so i i yeah. didn't really know who the main character was until like oh we're with this kid for a while because it it makes it seem it was like are is it seems like oh they're like the kind of the, the characters that we see this through but they're not um, yeah, even which I think is kind of a shame because I think they're more interesting characters than the kid. Yeah, no, that's what's where I say it was like that angle of like the the corporate consumerism. Like those are the characters that like if the movie wanted to focus more on that, like those the, that should have been who the do movie you, was about. Do you think that's a result of uh, studio interference? Maybe the fact that we don't dwell much on the uh, you know military characters because they wanted to be more kid friendly. Uh, I it's mean, better to see kids yeah. talking to other kids than adults I mean, talking. Yeah, but also, yeah, just having a relatable kid character in the movie would also mm -hmm. just be like, you know, more sucks, marketable by the kids. way. I don't like yeah, the main just kid like, in this. Just like fucking Black Adam. Yeah. It was the worst yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, no offense to Gregory Smith, but yeah, the, the main kid is boring. And I mean, he he acts well. The, the kid's yeah. fine. It's just the character's not interesting. It's like, it's yeah. And they try to tack on this whole subplot about him being about everyone thinking he's a bad kid but like you don't believe it for a second yeah it's 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 not literally we this it, is like definitely trying to do like a john connor terminator 2 thing you, could, with you could talk over you could talk over those parts of the movie check your text check your emails you're not going to miss a single thing because it it has nothing to do with anything it is the most worthless plot point yeah, yeah. In fact, I gotta be honest. I I feel like um, if they had to have a relatable kid character, Kirsten Dunst's character was more entertaining and likable. Yeah. yeah. On the other hand, I wish they did focus a bit more on the parents, just for Phil Hartman. I really did enjoy yeah. Phil Hartman in this, but I enjoy yeah. him in everything. I'm kind of biased. Yeah. You know what's actually weird about his wife? We mentioned Family Guy earlier. The woman who plays Francine plays his wife. And she and her character acts like Francine from American Dad at points in this movie. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That that's I never noticed that. That's a good point. <laughs> and the dad sometimes acts like Troy McClure. <laughs> yeah, dude. It, it, you it, might it, remember like, me from Christmas Ape, and Christmas <laughs> Ape goes to summer camp. <laughs> it's it's almost like it's almost like these casting directors are pretty fucking good. <laughs> or that they're casting actors like specifically or like on uh okay, typecast. You're yeah. saying these characters are typecast? Well, I mean, even so, like I think it's just like, actors yeah. rather. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, um, you know, Dennis Leary played another marketing guru in a military satire just the year beforehand with Wag the Dog, which also had oh. Kirsten Dunst in it, by the way. It, wait, you're you're totally right. Holy shit. <laughs> I forgot Dennis Leary was in that movie though. I would not have put that together. That's but. so funny to me. That's um yeah, that that might have had some influence. That that's funny. Yeah, but oh, also Dennis Leary is just kind of that kind of guy who it's like he he's meant to play those types of characters. That's true. He was typecast as yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Overall, I mean, I yeah, as my first time seeing the movie, I it was a little better than I thought it would be. Like, cause I I saw some of the clips of like what like some of the CGI looked like. I'm like, oh, this is gonna age horribly. This is I think that there are parts where it looks a little too rubbery, a little too textureless, but like, I think that you, you get used to it after a it's while. A it doesn't ruin it's the movie. It's supposed to look like plastic. Yeah. It doesn't ruin the movie at all. And I was actually kind of like, I was kind of surprised at how uh, much I was enjoying it. Like, as I think it is kind of like a fun romp uh, and like the characters were at least the, the toy characters were fun mm-hmm. and interesting and they had some unique quirks. Like I like that one Gorgonite who's voiced by Jim Cummings. Who's just like a big dumb idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's good. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think like the final climax where like, you know, they're holding up in the house and like the, the whole toy soldier army is coming after them. I think that that's like kind and of like, it just turns into gremlins. Yeah. I think that's like kind of like a fun action set piece at the end. And then at the end, when the Gorgonites actually win, you're like, I feel happy for them. I'm like, Oh good. They finally got to win. Like they get to be yeah. heroes. Like it's, it, it's, it's got a cute, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fine little movie. Yeah. I, I will just say though, um, with the climax, I kind of wish uh spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the movie that Archer actually did fight chip instead of uh archer being knocked out and then it had to be the kid who had to save him yeah yeah the kid had to intervene yeah i think i remember that part i think we were saying like it would have been better if he if like the two toy the leaders of the two toy factions like fought it out yeah Yeah. the kid didn't although he does end up didn't didn't the the toy end up killing them or like call like you know I forgot. I forgot what happened. Wait, did the kid like do the electrical thing that shut down all of the yeah, soldiers? He did. Oh uh, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, yeah. But uh, anyway, so that's what we thought of the movie. Uh, what did the critics think of the movie? So on Rotten Tomatoes, this movie has a forty-nine percent, right down the middle. Yeah, with twenty-two fresh and twenty-three rotten. And the critics' consensus reads: Small Soldiers has plenty of visual razzle dazzle, but the but the rot story proves disappointingly deficient in director Joe Dante's trademark anarchic spirit. That's a lot of alliteration in that one sentence. So it's, yeah, it's it's that's literally that's uh, you, that's yeah. unique New York. Right that, that's got it. That's that's I needed to fill the word requirement on my essay. That's due tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> I I also think that the low. I'm, amount of reviews like because i think there weren't that many critics in the 90s and i feel like there haven't been many new reviews that were added to the site i feel like if if the amount of critics who review movies on rotten tomatoes now 
were to review this movie, I think it would probably have a higher percentage. Like yeah, it'd probably it'd be, be in like the seventies or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely got a low yeah. pool. Yeah, that's why like a lot of like rev- movies from the night, like older movies like this, have like lower Rotten Tomatoes scores is just because mm-hmm. like there's a, a, a smaller pool of reviews for them. Like now where it's like every major release movie has like 300 reviews for mm-hmm. it. And that's how a lot of them, I feel like a lot of the averages ended up getting weighted because like almost, it seems like almost every new release movie gets like a 70 or an 80. It's like rare to see something that's like universally hated now because there's just so many voices. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's true. Even like movies like Dear Evan Hansen, which was like the laughing stock of the world, still like a f- what, like a fifty on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like it had to get a lot of reviews just to get that weighted down. So, Mike, what I've also noticed here is there's no Metacritic page. This movie does not have a Metacritic Wait, page. Wait, didn't, didn't the fucking shitty B horror movie we watched? Didn't that have a fucking Metacritic I page? I, I mean, I don't think that. I think Manos the Hands Manos. of Fate. Yeah, did Man I think Manos the Hands of Fate didn't I don't know if it did. I'm gonna actually let me just check right now. Hold Pull on. it up, Mike. Yeah, I, I, know, I know we did it on the when we did it on the episode. Yes, man, okay, wait. So no, Manos Man- Manos has a page, but I don't think it has any re- it ha- it does not have any reviews. But this doesn't even have a page, you said. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even listed on the Metacritic website. The uh, the PC game for small soldiers. Which is just a port of the PS1 game. Has a Metacritic page, but the movie does not. Wild. Yeah. Wild. Uh, so Mike, you only, should make it. So the only other like publicly uh, like uh, consensus review score that I could find for this movie was its cinema score, <laughs> which is one that we don't really highlight that much because it's never really that significant. Well, unless we're it, desperate this yeah. episode. So it has a B plus cinema score, which yay. Yeah. I don't know what to, I don't look at cinema score, so I don't even know what to compare that to. I don't know if B plus is even okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. Movies that like are the only time there's like 13 movies that got like an F and one of them was Mother. <laughs> good. Good. <laughs> you know, it deserves an F minus. We were just talking about how much I fucking hate that movie. Uh I think it's fine. I think yeah, it's okay. great. Good for you. <laughs> Next. Uh, so the movie's box office on its opening weekend, this movie made $14 million and it came in third place on its opening weekend because the number one movie that weekend was that was released was Lethal Weapon 4. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and then the, this is the is... point. This is the point where Lethal Weapon was like, all right, guys, we get it. They're yeah, they're they're too old for this shit. Literally, we don't like, we don't we we should we could have had two of these and been fine. We don't need four of them now. How many of them? Are there like seven of them? No, there was oh. a, there's a TV series, but like there's of course there's a there fucking, was, what is up with every eighties movie getting a TV series? There was a Miami Vice one. There was a well, there was um, a Magnum PI, another Magnum PI one. Well, I think I heard they want to make an, a Lethal Weapon five, but like. Eh. I, I've only seen the first Lethal Weapon, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah, that's all you got to yeah, see. Really. It's the only one that's yeah. worth half a shit. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. also awkward because it's like, are they, are they going to try to just, is it going to be just a straight reboot? Or are they going to try to do like a legacy sequel thing, which you can't do because that means Mel Gibson would have to be in the movie. Uh, <laughs> get Christopher well, Plummer. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Gibson wasn't Father Stew this year, so. 
Yeah, but that's I that's, that's some like Christian religious movie. <laughs> Nobody, not like a, a a blockbuster action movie. That, yeah, like, we're talking about a movie that you. About. We're talking about a movie that I could see the commercial for when I'm watching like a baseball game. <laughs> like that's the level of movie we're talking about here. Uh, number two was Armageddon on its second weekend. Sure, fine. God, what a wasteland the blockbuster landscape was in the nineties. Uh, just yeah, Armageddon, Lethal Weapon sequels. Just then, like, Small Soldiers. Yeah, Small Soldiers was number three, and then Doctor Doolittle in its second mm-hmm. week, Mulan in its third week, and then oh, Madeline shit. in its first week. That's the one with uh, Frances McDormand, is it not? Oh yeah. Fun fact about um Madeline, the girl who played Madeline was audition for Hermione Granger. Oh, God. <laughs> and it was actually between her and Emma Watson. And the reason wow. they picked Emma Watson is because the casting director thought she was, quote-unquote, too old, but she was, like, 12. I mean, <laughs> I understand it, because it's, like, those movies ended up going on for so long that, like, you didn't want someone who's going By the end, rage. Ron was balding. Yeah. He was a balding man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, horrible. <laughs> so the movie's budget was $40 million. Its total domestic gross was $54 million. And at least according to Wikipedia, its total worldwide gross was $87 million, which I couldn't find that on Box Office Mojo. It only listed the domestic gross. So... But- asterisk on that one yeah so i mean the movie kind of really almost didn't break even yeah so it was barely yeah it not was... really successful uh they didn't really see a return on investment and uh until very recently as we as we'll come to to realize no sequels were planned or anything like that it had a lot of releases on home video i feel like this movie kind of gained its cult status through mm-hmm. home video this was a very this seems like it was a very big rental movie Mm -hmm. probably did very good on the rental market it was released on vhs november 10th 98 dvd in december of 98 which is kind of crazy to think i would think this movie would have a vhs release and then a dvd release like later on down the line but no pretty much not day and date but a month later yeah i mean dvd was coming into its own at this point it was like you know uh, a a format that's like all right we're able to like release alongside it just seems very interesting to me what happened there is, first of all, you wouldn't need, need to immediately think this is a good idea. It was a movie that made almost no money and DVDs were expensive to make back then, right? So why would they throw this bullshit movie on the format? What probably happened is if I, this is just me guessing, they released it on VHS. They saw the response it had on the rental market and even the buying market and said, all right, we got to make a print run of Small Soldiers because back then there were that many. They wouldn't, print- tur- they wouldn't have that turnaround in a month. They, dude, they, these DVDs back then had no features. You didn't even need features on the DVD. You could just put the file on a disc. Mm-hmm. It does not take that long. Especially, we're talking about Universal here. At this point, they had the means to make them. It was just expensive to do so, right? They wouldn't have... They, I, I don't know. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's an idea. I feel like... Because why would they really? DVD was such a new format. You know, it was a risky format. No one knew if it was going to be successful. Well, they also uh, then released a laser disc a year later. I guess laser disc was probably on its way out at this point, right? Laser disc was on its way out in '99, I think. Mm-hmm. Laser disc really died fully. I think the last laser disc was sometime in the early 2000s, maybe like 2002, 2003. But even then, I think that was a very niche release, probably like a Criterion release because Criterion was big. Criterion took a while to adopt DVD even 
They were they did Laserdisc for a it long, long time. Took them a while to uh, adopt 4K. They didn't start doing 4K until, until like last year. Yeah, and even Blu-ray, they didn't jump right on right away. But I understand there was a big, pretty big, pretty well-known format war going on at that point. So yeah, and also this movie was not released on Blu-ray until February of 2021. Who of was asking year? for it though, Mike? Tell me. <laughs> I don't know why you find that so unbelievable. Who the hell was like? Man, I need small soldiers on Blu-ray. It's not, I don't even think it needs to just be a demand. It just seemed like it would just be standard that like most movies were released on Blu-ray during that 2010, 2011, 2012 again, era. I think it's the same thing I said before. The format was very new then. Why would you release a niche movie on this expensive format? Now Blu-ray's cheap as fuck. Every movie gets a Blu-ray release. Tammy and the T-Rex has a Blu-ray release. <laughs> Who the who the hell cares? Every Blu-ray is just the new. I don't want to say throwaway format, but it's the new format where it just anybody can make them. Like anybody can make Blu-rays now. You know, when a, when a, when a format starts out, it's it's very hard to get stuff on it. You know, they want to put yeah, the big movies on it. They want to put the movies that they know will sell. Yeah, but it's like you know, not a whole like decade or so to get a movie uh, again. Who cares about who's asking for this on physical media? That's why uh, they got to they got to appease the small soldiers' heads. Uh, I, just, I just think it's just it's it's just one of those things that seemed like it would be if we did this episode like any sooner, then we would it would be in a kangaroo jack situation where it's like it's still not on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I just think watch kangaroo jack will come out on Blu-ray. It's gonna come out. On yeah. Blu-ray. Well, there's no 4K announced uh, or planned at this point for this I don't movie. I think this movie has a 4K print out. Yeah, I don't even think it would look good in 4K because again, those CGI does they might not have to look... upscale all the textures like they did for Toy Story. Mm-hmm. I think Toy Story for the Blu-ray, they went into the raw files and upscaled everything. Yeah, because I, I think I heard something where they were talking about how like in order to render the original Toy Story now with today's processing technology, it takes like two nanoseconds. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. <laughs> oh God, imagine what the 4K version of Ants would look like. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I know that they that I know that Shrek got released on 4K recently. I wonder what if that I've, would look. I've seen screenshots of it. It looks good. Yeah, because I always in my mind I feel like oh Shrek is like this gross ugly movie, but then you watch it and you're like oh no this is actually it's like very colorful. Good. Yeah. So this movie they were planning to make to have a to do a remake of Small Soldiers. It was in development at 20th Century Fox and it was originally okay. titled Toy Mageddon. And yeah, then, which is that's a wait, horrible title. They should yeah, have but, called it Bigger Movie. Yeah, but that's kind of weird because the original was made by Universal and DreamWorks. Why was Fox developing the remake? I don't know where if like the rights, if they if they had purchased the rights or anything like that. But the script for a small soldiers remake was purchased in January of 2014. And director Justin Lin, who he directed a lot of the Fast and Furious movies, he did like three through six and also directed Star Trek Beyond. He was set to produce the movie and the movie was supposed to be. Uh, in the setting of a uh, toy factory that begins to run amok. So I'm guessing it's like the small soldiers that are being built. Um, But then, yeah, at that point, it wasn't known if that movie was going to be specifically a small soldiers remake. But after Disney bought Fox and canceled uh, the movie was when they had revealed that that was what they had originally intended for it to be. If the kid just became a fucking tax write-off. Yeah. Love it. Uh, And not only that, but it was a tax write-off by Disney, which is weird because it 
was a remake of a DreamWorks movie. Yeah, which, yeah. But also uh, tying into another, like uh, tying into Ice Age, which the same fate happened to I, the Ice Age series, where yeah. once Disney bought Fox, they just like scrapped the entire studio and and canceled every all the things and then they made their own atrocity of the ice age disney plus movie yeah which literally looks like a ps1 game it's horrible yeah, yeah i i haven't seen it but i mean if they couldn't Don't. even but I, i'm sure i again i haven't seen a, a full ice age movie since like I think the the second one and like one of the hot and one of the like TV specials, but uh, yes, <laughs> since, uh, since we had done the ice age episode together, um, I have now at this point seen every ice age sequel, uh, and they get progressively worse, uh, after every single one. And, and I'm amazed. I was like, there's no way that this could be worse than the last one. And that it is. It's really kind of sad. It's got the it's got the um scary movie effect where you're like, wow, that was a shitty movie. And then you oh. see the next the second one and you're like, wow, that was horrible. The first one wasn't that bad. And then you see the third one, and you're like, oh my God, the first two were so much better. And then you don't realize you're tricking yourself into thinking the first movie was good. It's, the first movie was fucking shit. That's the it's the Transformers effect, also. Yeah. <laughs> weird, that. weird we keep to, uh oh. Get another movie that Queen Latifah had some part of. She was in the yeah, third Oh yeah, scary she was movie. in. Oh yeah, <laughs> Queen Latifah is just. You, we got to keep an eye on Queen Latifah too. She's popping up in all of our movies and our talking points. I don't think she's actually been in any of the movies that we've done so far. Like I th- at least was movies... she not in Ice Age? She wasn't no. in the first one. She was in the second one. Oh, on. yeah, that character's not in the first one. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, anyway, now that we're coming to the end of the, this seems like the end of the of the road for Small Soldiers. I don't think that that remake's ever coming out of uh, development hell. I, yeah, I can't no. imagine like what the appeal for that would be. Like, just literally, it, it's if they made it, it would just be like Instagram. They would just pay Instagram meme pages <laughs> to be like, oh my god, they're making another Small Soldiers movie. Remember this, guys? If you're a '90s kid, you'll remember this, and that's what they're gonna market it on. And they're going to have to fucking compete with iPads. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the small soldiers are going to fight iPads. Small soldiers are an app now. They're going to fight pop vitals. Yeah, that's what it'll be. If they, if they had balls, they do that. That sounds uh, like a great idea. Yeah. Well, speaking of other toys, I think I want to uh, open up the poll question for this episode. The poll question that I'm going to propose to us is, since this is a movie... Uh, that is primarily based on toys. What is the best toy from your childhood that was from a movie? Easily the Burger King Toy Story toy, which was just Lenny the binoculars, was just a wind up classic. And he walked just like you did in the movie, like absolute that. classic. Mine is also an answer from Toy Story because I had. I had like the whole the whole gang uh, of all the toys and like tried to make. He's it Andy. He's, he's Andy. And I, I there is a a serious picture that we developed from a fucking CVS that we took from a disposable camera that I still have somewhere in my house. It was a picture that I took of all of my Toy Story characters lined up together. <laughs> and it's like, and I was like, yeah, this is the, uh, this is the end of Toy Story 3. Like, I'm looking at this picture. <laughs> yep. uh, but the one I was going to bring up is the RC car, which is like had the design of the controller from the movie, and it had like the turbo uh, boost. And it also on the seat 
had like a little a little thing that would pop up out so that way you could do it would wrap around uh, a character so that way you could put another toy on top of him and drive it around awesome yeah. was there a rocket on the back <laughs> no i didn't have the buzz lightyear uh rocket uh <laughs> one i did have a buzz lightyear toy though oh uh, i had a buzz lightyear. i had a buzz lightyear and a woody and I had, I mean, like I said, I had all of them. Yeah, you had them all. My mom still to this day brings up the fact, uh, and this is, I think, one of the only surviving toys from like my actual childhood is the, uh, I have a, a prospector <laughs> toy because I wanted that character and, I, and they didn't really, CCP. yeah, they didn't sell him like in the States. So she had to like go on eBay and order it from overseas and like you, the UK. <laughs> That's sick. Yeah. And I still, I, I still, what I, I think of that story. I'm I've like, seen, that's I've re- seen the stinky Pete. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm like, I still have to, I keep it there just for that reverence. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, Kevin, do you have any uh, special toy from your childhood that was based on a movie? You know, I can't think of a toy, but I do remember. Oh, and guess what? Yet another recurring actor, um, Dennis Leary. When A Bug's Life came out, I had flick bed sheets. We had, I put on Bugs Life tattoos and I got Bugs Life books. Yeah, yeah Bugs have, Life was. Did you have the Bugs Life PS1 game? I do not remember playing that as a six year old now. Classic. <laughs> I think I had, uh, I, I remember I had a couple of Bugs Life characters. They might have been like McDonald's toys. Like I had, I remember like a little Heimlich that would like inch across, like it was a yep. wind up. I remember yep. having something like that. Yeah, those were those were absolute classic. Those toys fucked. Anyway, we're coming to the end of the episode now. Um, so yeah, give us send us write to us on Cinemarketing uh, on Twitter if Twitter still exists uh, anymore. Uh, it's at not the time going of, to. Yeah, well, well, follow us on Instagram at Cinemarketing Podcast. Uh, send us your responses. What are some of your favorite toys from your childhood? We'll post them and we'll talk about them on the, the next episode. Uh, we're Mike, cl- you better make us a Tumblr page yeah. in case Twitter goes down. I'll make a. Uh, I think. Well, what if we have to like go to Reddit? Like what if we? <laughs> I, don't I must. Be... We will. Ju- I'd rather start a Discord channel before we do. Yeah, that. let's. We should have a Discord channel for this show. I don't know why we don't. Like, might as well make do, it, Mike. I'll do put it. it in the description. I'm gonna make a Discord. I'll I'll get to that at least before just uh, episode twenty. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's worth it. Yeah, that's we'll worth get, it. I'll, we'll I'll, do it. I'm gonna make a Discord. Uh, I'll. I'm probably not even. I'm probably gonna end up deleting this whole thing because I don't want to have to be held to that. No. Yep. No. You're keeping it now, Mike. Do not delete it. All right. Anyway, make a Discord. <laughs> anyway, so closing thoughts on this movie. We're gonna give our rating for the movie out of ten, and then the rating for the marketing. So let's start with what do you guys think of the movie overall? What would you rate it from one to ten? It is perfectly cromulent. It is fine. It is a solid like six and a half out of ten. It was enjoyable. Not as bad as I thought. Reminded me a lot of Gremlins. Yeah, there's nothing really crazy bad about it. I mean, there's stupid plot points that don't need to exist. And the CG's kind of dated in points. And some scenes drag on too long. But as a whole, it's it's fine. Yeah, I think I'd give this movie like a seven. I think it's enjoyable. I think that the the concept is fun. I like, uh, you know, the idea of just like, you know, toys coming to life and like, you know, that small scale, like them jumping on tables and stuff. I like I, I like that. It, it does give me like Toy Story vibes when they like using like, you know, like small character, like running around in a big world. Like yeah. I like that. Um, I like the the dynamic of like the characters, I like the Gorgonites. I, I like the commandos. Um, like I said, like the main kid characters, not really all that riveting. I think that 
that it but it does have like that kind of anarchic like gremlins-esque like you know romp fun um but yeah so i i think it, it's certainly a flawed movie but like you know i i, I see i'm like there's there's a beating heart in there that i enjoyed um so kevin what do you think of the movie <laughs> yeah i would I would pretty much say um, a six out of 10, you know, when it's focusing on the toys, uh, it can be a lot of fun. There's a lot of creative, fun action scenes. Uh, When it comes to the humans, some of the adults like Dennis Leary, Phil Hartman, David Cross can be fun as well. There's some, and there is some interesting satire in there. And at least Kirsten Dunn's character can be likable, but there are also a lot of plot holes. Uh, no, not a lot, but there's a few plot holes or just wonky bits of writing here and there. And yeah, like and yeah, like um, the main kid's just not that interesting, and he kind of drags the movie down. In fairness, um, when it comes to Gremlins, Billy wasn't the most interesting person in the world either, but at least he was at least kind of likable, uh, if not super a super riveting presence, while this kid is just kind of dull. So now let's move on to what we would give for the marketing for this movie out of 10. And for this one, he like, kind of this movie like marketing wise again it didn't really know what the movie was like it didn't know if this movie was a kids movie or if it was like for a, like a, a more edgy teenage audience so it kind of just went for this weird middle ground where it's just like it's kind of marketing to both but neither not successing really not being successful mm-hmm. in really either but it's yeah, that, like a solid like four i'd say yeah, out of 10 for the like it, it at least knows like at least like that trailer we watched, it tells you the story of the movie. It tells you exactly what you're getting into. And that's one aspect of marketing that needs to be good. And it did that well. But, you know, there are the other aspects. The biggest one being who the hell is your audience? You know, that one it didn't do so well on. But I also do think that the the marketing of the, the movies, like it did, it, it told us that like they were, again, it, I think that it makes the plot. It doesn't really explain the plot as well because it's like it just shows off that like the these soldiers came to life and they're causing a havoc. But they don't they don't tell us that there's a, a kid who's the main character of the movie. They don't show the Gorgonites as like this warring faction that are also in the movie. It the all the trailers just made it seem like the the appeal is like it's toy soldiers and they're causing a ruckus. And I don't really know if again it didn't really make the movie seem like it was that interesting like there's other aspects of the movie that are more interesting that the marketing did not really highlight and so yeah it did kind of make the movie look bad and that's why i wasn't excited about watching the movie uh at first but but then turn out like oh the movie's actually pretty good so yeah i think that yeah i think a four would probably be fair like it's not egregious it's not like it's not like it's like, you know, painting it out to be like, you know, something completely uh, disingenuous. And it's not like it was completely fucked over, like the way that like Looney Tunes back in action was. But it's still just like, you know, nothing really. Again, it probably the marketing kind of hurt the movie more than it helped it. Yeah, I would probably have to go with a three out of ten because, um, you know, besides what you what yeah, you guys just said, uh, the marketing did kind of go against the message of the movie, and that also sort of puts it a notch below. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even—I totally forgot about that aspect of it too. Yeah, 
they kind of fucked over Joe Dante's vision with that. Yeah, it's kind of like in Looney Tunes back in action, where like the movie, like the uh, the the movie spirit is about how like oh, like the Looney Tunes are you know they're they're living on, and like we we're you know the Looney Tunes are like our icons, and then the movie came out and Warner Brothers just like didn't care about it. They were like who the like they scrapped all Looney Tunes shit after that. So yeah, it kind of uh, checks out. Anyway, um. So yeah, that's the end of our Small Soldiers episode. Thanks again for listening. Thanks to Kevin for uh, joining us. Uh, why don't you tell uh, people where they can find you and what's been going on over on your ends on uh, on your podcasts and where they can find you and what's uh, what's new with you over there? All right. Well, you can find me at, at Kevin Liam Higgins on Instagram or or just um, if you wanna, or if you wanna check out my podcast, um, it is on YouTube. Um, it's called "I Helped Make That." It is also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Anchor. Uh, just you know, Anchor.fm slash I Helped Make That, and then you should be able to find um, where else you can listen to it. Um, we have so i have done uh so by the time this comes out i will have done oh my god yet another an, um, another movie that stars another 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 yeah. i'll have done an episode on another movie that stars another actor from this movie as i'll have done an episode on ghost world with dave sheridan who played the shirtless guy in that movie. And for anyone who's ever seen Ghost World, David Cross has a small but memorable part in that movie. Yeah. All right. So that sounds pretty, pretty interesting. All right. You can uh, find us on uh Cinemarketing Podcast on Instagram. Um we're on Twitter at CinemarketPod. Um, I don't know if uh, that'll still be around or if we'll still be able to, uh, or if we'll still even want to be posting on there. But uh, I'd say find follow us on Instagram because that's where we post uh, on our stories. We post a lot of the marketing and advertisement that we're going to be talking about on the show. And I make a little highlights uh, story playlist of all of the things that we talk about. So that way you can you know follow along with the show and see what we are talking about alongside there so uh follow us on there and uh keep an eye out because uh next month is december so you know what december is bringing us we're gonna have a christmas episode we're gonna be not having a christmas episode. we're having a hanukkah episode who knows it, it it'll be a holiday themed episode for december so get uh excited for that we had a blast with our our uh, christmas episode last year was a highlight of the polar express and hopefully we'll be able to match or maybe even top that uh christmas episode uh for this year but anyway thanks for uh listening keep an eye out for our holiday episode and thanks for listening again bye-bye coming soon to theaters sounds good guys Hanukkah is the festival of lights. 
One day of presents, hell no, we get eight crazy nights. Oh, boy.